let's just open with a prayer, shall we? Lord, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for thank you for your word, your promises. Thank you for your body, the church. Thank you for your spirit that leads us. Thank you for your gentleness that makes us great. Thank you for being meek and lowly in heart and taking our burdens and giving us an easy yoke, a light burden, that none of your commandments are burdensome, that you say these things to us that our joy would be complete, that you want us to just have joy and, and enjoy who you are and enjoy your life in our life. Just I pray that you would just bless this message, Lord, and that you would really speak to our hearts, speak to our hearts. The inner man would be quickened. The outer man is perishing, but the inner man is being renewed day by day, Lord. And, and we just want to grow in that truth. So help us this morning, Lord, just to know you a little bit deeper. And we do just pray for our pastor and pastors who are traveling to conferences. Just bless those conferences. Anoint the messages and the fellowship and build up the the leaders and the church members who are attending, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Do you guys know the proverb that says, if you eat too much honey, you'll throw it up? Right? Have you heard that proverb? I don't know. I forget where it is, but there's a proverb that if you eat too much honey, you're going to vomit it up. And I think in our church, we have a lot of honey here. His word is like honey, and we're always being fed so much, right? So when, when we go to conferences and Eurocon and different places, they're so hungry for the life that we have and the teaching that we have, and they're just eating it all up. So keep those conferences in prayer, and, and amen. So... Um, How many coffee drinkers do we have here? Almost everyone, a couple not in the not in the group. So I uh, this week, earlier this last week, I was so tired in the morning. I woke up ready for work, and I like I have a little coffee mate, coffee maker. So you pour the water in, you put the filter in, you pour the beans in, and you just turn it on. In ten minutes, you got a coffee, right? So I do all the work, and then I go, and I'm, like, getting ready for work, and then I come back, and I'm looking for my coffee, and it's just an entire pot of hot water. It's just water. I forgot to put the beans in, you know? And I think that's, like, the, that's what I want to talk about this morning, just, like, wa- like coffee-less coffee. Let's turn to John chapter 5, and, and this message has two parts to it. But I just want to set the I just want to set the premise and here here here's the one great truth of this morning. If there is one great truth that we can agree upon this morning, it's here in John chapter five, verse thirty seven. Jesus says, The Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, 
His form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. And here it is. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I think a lot of our Christianity can be like a hot pot of water where we miss the beans, where we miss Christ. We have the form of religion. We have the form of godliness. We're searching the scriptures, but Jesus is saying, you're searching the scriptures, but they're bearing witness about me. And what I want to convey this morning is let us find the person of grace. Let us find the person of grace. Let us not miss the man, Jesus Christ, who has come to save sinners. Let us not miss the flesh and bone that walked among us, who was the word of life. First John 1 John 1.1, it says, From the beginning, what our ears have heard, what our eyes have seen, and what our hands have handled concerning the word of life. John is saying, look, this is something real. We have touched the Messiah. We have heard the words come from his lips. We have seen him heal men and women. We have seen the great light that has come into the world. And it is the scriptures have borne witness of him. It is Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus this morning. Don't come to a form of religion. Don't come to the traditions of men and the empty deceit and the human philosophy. Come to a person who can touch your heart and change your life. Amen? Amen. So that's the message. That's it right there. But we're going to go deeper into it, okay? All right. We're talking about a real coffee here. The, the rich coffee, the beans, the caffeine, give it to me. Come on. Amen. All right, so there's two parts to this message, and the first part is in Numbers chapter 21. So let's turn there to Numbers chapter 21. And in this chapter, we have a section of verses, Numbers 21, verse 4 to verse 9. And this is a is this is an amazing type of Christ in the Bible. And in the Old Testament we have what are called types and symbols. And a type is something that um it's like a illusion or something that signifies the future coming of Christ and what he will do on our behalf. And this this type of Christ symbolizes how Jesus is the one that was high and lifted up on the cross. And in this, in this portion of scripture, the Israelites are complaining and murmuring against Moses and against God because they are in the wilderness. And they say, why are we coming out here to die? So God sends something among them. He sends fiery serpents to bite them and to infect them with poison. And they're looking down at their wounds, and they're saying, I have all these bites on my body, and all this poison on my body. 
Moses, we are sorry. Can you please pray to God on our behalf? So Moses prays to God. And he says, Lord, can you, can you help them? Can you save them? And this is what God says to do. It's very interesting that the Bible is so specific in its answer. And in verse 8 of Numbers 21, the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. All right, so I don't want you to forget this. So let's all put up four fingers. Let's put up four fingers. This type has four-fold point that God is making. Number one, we can put up our number ones. Let's put up our number ones. Number one is that it's a fiery serpent, right? Number two is that it's a serpent. Number three is that it's bronze. And number four is that it's on a pole, all right? So just take one minute and say to your neighbor what the four points are, all right? Just repeat it to your neighbor. Talk a little bit. What are the four points? All right, we're going to go over them now. We got the four ones. We got fiery, serpent, a bronze on a pole. All right? So bronze in the Bible, bronze speaks about judgment. It speaks about God's wrath on sin. It speaks about the judgment of sin. And this is relating to Christ, how when Christ was on the cross, he was taking the judgment of God for us. Jesus was actually taking the wrath of God on himself and satisfying the justice of God. So that's bronze. Number two is that he was a, he, it was a serpent that was lifted up. Now, why was the very thing that bit them the thing that was lifted up? Right? They can see it. But why was it a serpent? Why wasn't it a frog on the pole? Why wasn't it a butterfly to signify new life? Why was it a serpent? And it's because Galatians 3 teaches us that Christ became a curse for us. Why was the serpent lifted up? Is because God is saying that Jesus had to become the curse that was infecting you. And in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam ate of the tree, he was infected with sin, and the curse of sin was imputed to him in his nature. And God is saying, in order to be delivered from the curse, Christ needs to become that very curse to deliver you from it. He took the judgment of God, he became the curse for us, and he was lifted up. It was on a pole. And Christ was lifted up on the cross. In Isaiah 52, it says that my servant shall be high and lifted up. And Jesus said, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. 
And in this chapter, the Israelites are the one that are looking on the pole. They are looking to the pole, and whoever looks, lives. Whoever looks, lives. Look at the serpent and you will live to the nation of Israel. But when it's Christ, we look at Christ and now the whole world can live. Not just the nation of Israel looking at the serpent on a pole, but the whole world can look at the exalted Christ on the cross and live. And the fourth one is, what is the fourth one? Fiery. Fiery. I like this one a lot. Because Isaiah chapter 4, it says that the filth and the blood stains will be cleansed from Jerusalem by the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning. What does fire represent? Fire represents the cleansing aspect. That's why the, the goldsmiths, they use a refiner's fire. They put the gold through the fire and it burns away anything that is not gold. And when we come to the cross, when we come to Christ, there is a fire, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that burns away anything that is not of Christ. It burns away the filth of sin. It burns away the stain of sin. And it it burns away the guilt that comes with our guilty conscience. It burns it away, and the blood purges our conscience. Christ fulfills this type perfectly. Now let's turn to Genesis 21. That was a good, I think that was good. I think we should stay there a little bit longer. So why don't you just go over that with your neighbor for, for one minute? Go over that. We got the four, we got our number four. Just talk about that for a minute and get kind of stirred up about it. All right. I don't think anybody came to church to talk this morning. It's okay. I'll do the talking. You can just listen in fellowship. So here's a, another, another amazing story. And this is all going to culminate in the, in the person of Christ. In Genesis 21, we have another, another story in the Old Testament that is important to know. In Genesis 21, this is when Abraham was promised to have a son. And Abraham's wife has a son in very old age. But before they have a son, they have a little bit of unbelief. And I think we all have a little bit of unbelief at times, right? Sometimes it's hard to believe. Um, But Sarah said to her husband Abraham, Go have, a, go have a son with our servant girl, our slave girl, Hagar. Go have a son with the slave woman, Hagar. So Abraham has a son, and that son is named Ishmael. But then a couple years later, I think it's maybe 14 years later, Abraham finally has a son with his wife Sarah. And this is a fulfillment of God's promise to them that you are promised to have a son, 
and from your son will the nations be blessed. And then in verse 21, after, after Abraham and Sarah have their son, they have a celebration in verse 8. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. And Galatians 4 teaches us that this son Ishmael is, is called a son according to the flesh. Ishmael represents the fleshly decision or the fleshly way. And when Abraham didn't believe God, but he, he went with Hagar and had a son, it was a son of the flesh, a son of the slave woman. But when he had a son with Sarah, this was called the son of promise or the son of the spirit. Can you see the difference of a, of a son according to the flesh and a son according to the spirit? And this is what happens in verse 10. So Sarah said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And Abraham was very displeased on account of this. But God said to Abraham, do not be displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And that's amazing. Through Isaac, your offspring shall be named. And notice how it says, not offsprings with a plural, but offspring. In Galatians, in the third chapter, it tells us that this offspring is Christ. Because it's the son of Abraham, the true son of Abraham, Jesus Christ. And that's, that's amazing. Let's turn to John chapter 8, and this is going to tie everything together. Let's just keep that in our minds as we turn to John chapter 8. We keep in mind that in Numbers 21, there's the serpent that is on the pole that represents Christ. And in Genesis, Genesis 21, there is the son of promise. The son of the spirit, the offspring of Abraham. And this is amazing. John 8, verse 12, Jesus says to them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. I love this verse. We can just meditate on that in our heart, that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever walks after me, whoever follows me, shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. It's so amazing that we have the Messiah today. It's so amazing that we have the Christ. And it's so amazing that we have his spirit with us this morning. Jesus says in verse 21, he says to the Jews, they don't understand who he is. Uh, the Jews and the religious leaders, they don't understand who Christ is. Um, they are saying, where are you from? Who is your father? Who are you? And Jesus is saying, I am going away 
and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. You will die in your sin. Why does Jesus bring it to sin? Jesus brings it to the heart of the matter. He brings it to sin in that we know that we were born under the law. We know that we were born under sin. And we know that we need a Savior. We know that we need a Savior. And we know that we need more than just religion. Amen? We need more than just the form of godliness. Amen? And we need more than just men and women who are on the natural level in this life. We need something deeper. We need something so much deeper. And we found it. We found Jesus Christ to be the answer to all of our sin. We found Jesus Christ to be the answer to the curse. We have found Jesus Christ to be the answer to the sin that is dwelling within us. And Jesus says, you will die in your sin. And then in verse 31, he says this to those people who have believed. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Right? If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. Has anybody found the truth this morning? I think we found the truth. And it's kind of like the fox... In Song of Solomon, I love that picture of the fox that kind of runs out into the field and you see it for a second, and then he runs back away, right? We see the fox for a second and then he's gone. And sometimes we see Christ for a second, and then it seems like he's gone. But what does he leave with us? He leaves the truth. And the truth is something that can never be taken away from us. The truth is something that can never be taken away. The flesh can be taken away from us. The son of the flesh can be taken away. But when we have the promise, when we have the spirit, that can never be taken away. Amen? It can never be taken away. Not the world, not our failure, not our mistake, not our doubt. Nothing can take away when we have the promise of God. In Christ. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And didn't Jesus say, my word is truth? In John 17, 17, he said, sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. And if, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. I think there's something about abiding in the vine. I think there's something about abiding in the vine that is so sweet to us that takes away any sort of striving. It takes away any sort of pressure that is on us to perform when we abide in the vine, when we rest in the Word of God, when we have fellowship and communion in the Spirit because the Word is ministering to our hearts. We know we have the truth, and we know that that sets us free. Amen? In verse 33, they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? This is, this is an amazing thing when we think about it, is that the Jews, they are talking to Jesus, and Jesus is saying, You can know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
But they're saying, we're not enslaved to anybody, Lord. We're not, ensla- we're not enslaved to anybody. We're the offspring of Abraham. And I, lo- I love this because, because um, they go back to their earliest knowledge of spirituality. Who is the first person that, that the, the Jewish people know in their race? It's Abraham, right? They go back to Abraham. But Jesus says later in this chapter something amazing. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And that's amazing to us because sometimes our Christianity, can, it, can, it can seem like dry. Or it can seem like that hot cup of coffee that I poured for myself, but it's just water. There's nothing really in it. There's no real substance it's a lot of work to get nothing in return. I put a lot of trust in something. I put a lot of effort in something, but I don't get anything back. And the Jewish people are saying, all our trust is in Abraham. All our trust is in the line, our lineage, our father Abraham. But Jesus is saying, I go before even the earliest concept of spirituality that you have. Like we think spirituality is something, but then Jesus comes in and he says, I am. I am not just words on a page, but I am flesh and bone that you can handle with your hands, that you can hear with your ears, that you can see with your eyes, that you can receive in your heart. And that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing that our relationship with God is so deep. It's in a person. Our faith is in a person. Our faith is in a living Savior. Our faith is in a risen Lord who is seated at the right hand of God and who is coming back one day. It's not empty promises. It's not empty words. It's not empty faith. It's not blind faith. It's a faith that is rooted in reality. It's a faith that is rooted in truth. And it's a spirit that ministers life to us when we are feeling so natural and so empty, Jesus can come and say to us, before Abraham was, I am. And he says it's not even a passage of time. You can't even put this in a a past tense, present tense, future tense. Before Abraham was, I am forever, right now. I can satisfy the deepest need in your heart because I am God and I am what you need. And nobody else can satisfy you like I can. Because you search the scriptures and you think that in them you have life, but they are bearing witness about a person. I love that. They're bearing witness about a person who once walked on the earth and now walks inside of you and me. Now he walks inside of us as we are changed from glory to glory as we give our bodies as a living sacrifice, as we give our ears to listen as those who are, who are taught in Isaiah chapter 50, as we give our lips to speak the words that God wants them to speak in 1 Corinthians 14. I would rather speak five words with understanding than a thousand words in a foreign tongue. Because cannot God do more in five words than I could do with a thousand? 
Could not the Holy Spirit change more hearts and more lives when he is anointing a sinner? And that's who we have found. We have found a living Savior, a breathing God. And that's an amazing thing. And I just want to continue in, in verse 34. Is this good, good for, you, for us? We're good? Can we just shout amen to the Lord and get a little rowdy in here on a Sunday morning? Texas Direct, come on. Come on, let's go. Amen. Hey, it was hard to get up this morning, wasn't it? Oh, man, we got the rain pittering on the roof. We got the pillow and the covers all warm and cozy. We thought about the coffee. We got up. We smelled it from the kitchen. Oh, it's good. Doesn't the smell, the smell of coffee just wakes me up. It's so good. I think now they have like those computer chips and coffee makers. You can like set it the night before make at 7 a.m. Wake me up to the smell of coffee. Come on. Okay. All right. Let's, let's, we got a couple more minutes. It's great to be with you guys. Thank you. And you guys are an amazing, really amazing example. I saw a couple brothers in Christ. I saw them over by the Aldi Saturday morning. I was driving by, and I saw them standing out there, and they were just like looking at each other, laughing, and they were like speak. They were talking to people about Christ, and I just knew it. I was like, "Yes, these guys are on fire, on fuego." Come on, okay. Verse 34, Jesus says, This is why I am telling to you that, you, that you're, the truth will set you free. is because everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Right? And let's read verse 28 as well. Verse 28, and then we'll go back to 35, and then we'll finish. Jesus says in verse 28 of John chapter 8, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. Who is He? I am He. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. I am the Messiah. I am the one that was written about in the Old Testament. I am the one who is prophesied about in Isaiah chapter 9 when it says, a land that dwelled in great darkness has seen a great light. And those in the region of darkness, a great light has shone upon them. I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father has taught me. And then verse 34. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Amen. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And here it is. Jesus is saying, when you lift up the Son of Man, 
then you will know that I am the Messiah. And then he says, the slave does not remain in the house forever. What house? Well, it could be the house of God. It could be the body of Christ. It could be the place where God's presence dwells. The slave doesn't remain in the house, but the son does. Who is Jesus referring to when he says the slave doesn't remain in the house forever? Back in Genesis 21, there was the son of the slave woman. And Jesus said, whoever practices sin is a slave to sin. And at one point in our life, you and I, we were slaves to sin. We were slaves to that that chain sin from our genes. We were slaves to that nature, that old sin nature that dwells within our members in Romans 7. The, the good thing I want to do, I don't do. But the bad thing I don't want to do, that I do. The strength of sin is in the law, and sin lies in our members. We were slaves to sin. We were born of the flesh, just like Ishmael was born of the flesh. But when the Son of Man was lifted up on the cross, when the Son of Man took the judgment of God, when he became the curse for us, when he became sin for us, and when he took the wrath of God, that fire of God that cleansed away all sin, that, that poured out its wrath on Jesus for us, Jesus took us from being slaves to sin to being sons of God. In John 1.12, he said, As many as received him, them he gave the right to be the sons of God. And it's so amazing that this life was the life of men. In him was life, and this life was the light of men. And that light shined in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. The true light shines. And, and it says in John 1 that he came into the world, and though, although the world was made through him, he came into the world, although the world was made through him, but the world did not know him. Wow, we can miss God so easily. We can miss him so easily. And then it says, he came to his own people, and his own people did not receive him. We could miss God so easily. But because he was lifted up, and because he bore our, our, our sin on his body, and because he took us from being the children of the flesh and he gave us the promise and made us children of the spirit, born of the spirit, now we can be free from sin. And what does it say? The slave does not remain in the house forever. And the slave represents the flesh. And we can say this morning that the flesh can't remain in the house forever. Amen? The flesh cannot remain in the house Last time I checked, 1 Corinthians 1, 29, it says, No flesh can glory in his presence. Last time I checked in Galatians 5, 24, it says, Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And this morning we have the message of truth 
that if you have the Son, you have life in 1 John 5, 12. And you have the Son, you have freedom from sin. And you, can, you don't have to live in sin anymore because the Son has set you free. And we come to the cross and we see him and we're forgiven. And then we come to the children of the promise and the children of the slave. And we say we are children of the promise. And if we read John chapter 8, and if you read it in your own time, you'll see that this is what Jesus was teaching. He was alluding to those two chapters, Numbers 21 and Genesis 21. And he was alluding to our sonship and our freedom through the cross. Amen. I just want to share that with you. And, and I just want to share that we have the Christ. We have the light of the world. We have the reality of God in a person of grace. And that is our joy. And that is what we're longing for. We're not longing for a religious method or a system, but we're longing for a person to change our heart and to speak to the deepest part of us and give us a hope that is living and eternal. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. So we just want to pray and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, for the sonship that as many as have received him, to them he gave the right to be sons of God. As many as received him, whoever wants to receive him this morning, you can receive Christ in your heart. You don't need to be a slave to your sin anymore. You can be set free and given a new name and a new life and a new identity in the Son. And Jesus said, I told you that you would die in your sin unless you believe that I am he. You will die in your sin. All that you need to do this morning to receive forgiveness of sins and receive eternal life is believe that Jesus is the son of the living God and that he has bore our penalty on the cross for us, making us a son of promise a child of the Most High God. And if you receive him this morning, it's as simple as believing. And if you just believe that in your heart, could you just raise your hand if you've said that prayer in your heart? Thank you, Lord. Just We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.